listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You want to see pain? Look at these. Welcome to the Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management. Hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Pain Pod. Kicking off 2023 with a bang. Actually, more with a bup. It's going to be all things buprenorphine on this episode of the Pain Pod. So, yours truly, Mark Pain Guy Garofli. I'm going to cover some things here today that are that are hot off the presses, quite frankly, uh, to ring in the new year. Uh, we had some new uh, legislation, laws, acts coming our way uh, from Congress, and then follow up with, with within less than like two weeks from the DEA, actually, uh, for all things buprenorphine. So we're going to go over that, uh, the MAT and MATE acts, and then we're going to go over respecting the pharmacology of buprenorphine. I'm going to try and do this in like, you know, a podcast episode, let's say a half an hour or less, you know, not to make this like pizza delivery from the 90s, but uh, we're, we're going to try and guarantee that for you. We got a lot to cover, so I'm going to dive in here now. If you notice I don't uh, take a breath or skip a beat, well, that's just the way it's going to be, right? All right. So right off the bat, uh, unless uh, anyone's been living under a rock, I'm sure you've seen 17 times uh, the new uh, legislation uh, and and processes regarding buprenorphine. In essence, adios X, the X waiver is gone. Sayonara. No more. The buprenorphine X waiver from data 2000 is gone. Effective, well, in the past now, actually. Uh, so, you know, let's whittle down the whole the, the whole idea of the, the MAT Act and the MATE Act as well, too. But uh, again, the buprenorphine X waiver is gone. Okay. Prescribers merely need an active DEA registration or license uh, to prescribe buprenorphine, which, by the way, is a controlled substance class three. That has not changed, hasn't changed in decades. Okay. Um, Another big point, though, from this MAD Act, though, is that there's no limits on the number of patients for a prescriber. That, quite frankly, is a huge part. You know, gone are the days of the 30, the 100, the 200, whatever. It, it, it's a yeah, 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 yeah. Those are gone. Okay. Uh, it, it's like almost as confusing as the MME or morphine milligram equivalent of methadone. Check out another episode for that one, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, the limits are gone. The X waiver is gone. Okay. Uh, of note, though, uh, DEA registration renewals, which happen uh, or are required every three years, uh, will have an eight-hour substance use disorder or SUD or addiction training um, as of June of 2023. Okay, think of that in the in the sense of a power move. It used to be 
As of now, it used to be that uh, those that wanted to prescribe buprenorphine for medications uh, for addiction treatment or, or some say uh, medication-assisted treatment, MAT, um, you had to do the eight-hour training, right? Uh, well, now it's everyone with a DEA registration, okay? That, that's big, okay? It didn't go away. It shifted, all right? So when you see the headlines and you hear the conversations, let, let's just look at the whole picture, of course. You can always count on paying guy to tell you all sides of the coin, all right? All right, so there's that. Um, also, I, I think perfectly applicable, I think, to everyone, especially as a licensed clinician of any type, quite frankly, uh, we always got to remember our uh, federal corresponding legal responsibility, the federal regs, uh, for always, always, always uh, ensuring appropriate diagnosis and scope of practice. Keep that in mind in this realm. One other lawyerese type of thing. I don't have a JD. I've got other letters. Uh but but for our farm DJD friends out there, I think they'd be uh, uh, choking up if I didn't mention that. You know, you got to remember in case there's any different state laws out there, it's whatever's most stringent. Okay, that's applicable to everything in pharmacy, healthcare, and beyond. Uh, but we want to keep those things in mind. Now back to the the whole Matt Act and Mate as well. Uh, got to remember though, this effort has nothing to do with the actual supply barrier of wholesale distributors placing buprenorphine order limits on licensed pharmacies after being sued, repeatedly, mind you, for not limiting other opioids. There's a lot in that last sentence. Think, think about that one. Additionally, adding a little bit more on here, the effort doesn't automatically change the stigmatic mindset of various prescribers and dispensers. You know, it might indirectly open some eyes and ears, hopefully, uh, but let's get real. All right, we're on the pain pod. Let's get real. Those not having already attained the next waiver did not avoid doing so uh, due to a readily available eight hours of CE. I mean, come on, right? So there's a lot more going on. We got to be real in these aspects. Uh, you know, as I said on LinkedIn, uh, go forth, make a difference. All right. How do we go about doing that? How do we go make a difference? Well, next up is respecting the pharmacology. So, you know, let's dive into that. Now, since we had Presidential Inc. on the MAD Act, uh, what was it, December 30th of 2022, and then uh, the DEA sent the letter out to all registrants on January 12th, 2023, I believe. It, it, that's in the past now, right? So let's move forward to respecting the pharmacology, hopefully what we've been doing all along. So let's cover, uh, you know, a dozen or a baker's dozen or so uh, pharmacological factors, pharmacy fun when it comes to buprenorphine. The most misunderstood medication of the century, if not ever. So let's start out easy. It's semi-synthetic. It means it's not grown in the poppy uh, and it's not completely made in the lab, but you take things like Thebane, morphine, codeine, that's what's in the poppies, uh, typically Thebane, uh, and you it, it's semi-synthetic. It is then made synthetically from a natural product. All right, that's the easy stuff. From, from here on out, it gets much tougher, right? Mechanisms of action. Hold on to your seats, folks. All right. So obviously got some opioid action because buprenorphine's an opioid, right? Uh, it's a, actually an opioid receptor like agonist. It's a kappa antagonist and a delta antagonist. But the really the, the you know the meat and potatoes is it's a partial mu agonist, and that's big. That is one of the most misunderstood terms in a pharmacy sense ever really. Uh, it has nothing to do with what the efficacy is. It has nothing to do with uh, side effects, effects. 
uh, interactions per se. It's just talking about how it interacts with the receptor. If you want to think about triangles going into a rectangle instead of a rectangle or a square going into a rectangle, whatever you want to visualize, that's what we're talking about. Okay. Equally confuzzling uh, is the mu opioid receptor affinity in general, but particularly for buprenorphine. So sans sufentanil, there's no other prescription opioid that has a higher mu opioid receptor affinity. What the heck's that mean? It's just the magnetism to the receptor. Uh, and when I say just, I don't want to downplay it, but quite important. Uh, but again, nothing necessarily directly to do with the effects. No, no intrinsic activity, no effect. It's just the magnetism to the receptor. Okay. Uh, and we got to keep that in mind uh, overall. Uh, more to come on that when we bring up things like naloxone being around as well, too. All right. On our pharmacological journey here for bup, uh, metabolism uh, up next. Uh, it gets a little uh, well, it's so simple that it's confusing. Uh, but 3A4 is for you know the vast majority of buprenorphine, but it's got active metabolites. So there's that. Uh, what we really want to talk about in metabolism, though, is half-life. Speaking of half-life, anybody else, depending on your age and your generation and your experience, anybody remember Half-Life, the video game? I do. I actually never played it. I don't know. Maybe I don't get out much. Or maybe I get out too much and wasn't home playing it. I don't know. But Half-Life, it was like one of those little shoot 'em up video games from, I believe, the 90s. Um, well, we're going to play a Half-Life game, but not that one, okay? Half-Life in respect to medications. Okay. Half-life, of course, is for once straightforward in the title in healthcare. You know, how long it takes to get rid of half of the substance in the body. Generally accepted, of course, that it takes five half-lives to get everything out of the body. Okay. So the longer the half-life, the longer it's sticking around in our body. So, you know, let's lay off a of pain for a while. We go to like blood pressure, hypertension. Um, there's medications that have a half-life of like 12 hours. So the dosage could be about once a day. There's other ones in the same classes even that would have a different half-life, same mechanism though, uh, say like, you know, just an hour or two. We're going to be dosing that two, three, if not four times a day. Keep that concept going. Okay. Jump back into pain. You got something like Oxy. No, not the stuff that's stolen off the shelves that helps the bladder. Um, it, it, oxycodone, of course. Uh, half-life, about four hours. So it's dosed usually every four to six hours, right? Now, buprenorphine sublingual. That's a half-life of about a day and a half, okay? 37 hours approximately. So dosage is usually once a day. Heck, it could actually probably be cranked to even slightly less frequency, but that gets tricky on a patient. So, you know, once daily. That being said, there's other things besides half-life that go into the dosage, um, you know, frequency. Uh, things like avoiding cravings along the way as well too. But should we see every patient utilizing buprenorphine MAT milligram products? twice, three, four times a day? Of course not. Um, and, and that's something to really not only digest, but figure out how to have the conversations along the way as well too. Balancing with what, you know, what else is going on in the world too in the overall drug crisis. All right. Next up after metabolism, of course, would be a conversation. I'll be a brief on the maximum recommended daily dose. Uh, the books, the package inserts even say 24 milligrams. But when you look at, you know, receptor occupancy, a study on that, or even, uh, you know, brain scans, uh, PET scans typically, um, which really are all about receptor occupancy anyway, uh, really anything over eight milligrams, you're starting to really crank the receptor occupancy up there. So much so that around 16 milligrams is when things get, you know, mostly occupied. 
we got to factor that in. So should it be really over 16 milligrams? Well, you can't make a blanket statement for every human being on this planet. We all are humans and we got a lot going on. But overall for a population, things to keep in mind, right? Now, speaking of all the dosage stuff, um, boy, it gets complicated with uh, the chicken or the egg. So there's uh, buprenorphine induction dosing or even micro dosing as far as initiating buprenorphine for opioid addiction. Okay. MAT. Um, that's different. That's saying an, a, a different opioid is around and then you're adding buprenorphine. You don't want to induce withdrawal. So you got to be very careful with that. Okay. That's different than if someone is utilizing buprenorphine and then in need of another opioid for pain or whatever else is going on and adding on a different opioid. That's that's different. You're not necessarily worried about that withdrawal induction there. So the teeter-totter doesn't go both ways. It doesn't stick in the middle. It's, you know, all goes with what the patient has going on, basically. All right. Uh, this is the one where you, you ain't paying, but... You, you wanted the whole seat, but you're only going to need the edge. The more female gram equivalent factor, MME factor. Uh, I, I'm sure on other episodes, you've heard um, me talk about how, you know, in 2016, when the CDC guidelines came out, the MME factor was 10. And within nine months, it was corrected to be 30. I mean, when you're only off by 300%, uh, you know, horseshoes, grenades, and MMEs, right? Aye, aye, aye. Um, but that was the last published enemy factor for buprenorphine. It's 30. Um, since then, it's been unpublished, not because it was incorrect, but because it was a concern for that creating stigma because, hey, let's realize that if it's 30, uh, so it's 30, that's 30 times 16 milligrams in a day, say, of buprenorphine, that's 480 MMEs per day. Well, that's a tad bit over the thresholds of 50 and 90 from the CDC guidelines, 2016 and circa 2022 update, by the way. So, you know, like that gets a little tricky there. Okay. But the last published was 30. We're clinicians. We need the information. Case hurrah. Right. All right. Let's move onward to utilization. What about our patients? All right. What are they experiencing? So side effects. Um, you know, it's an opioid. So you've got all that stuff. But then also things like sweating, insomnia. Another one that kind of sticks out is peripheral edema. So that's one to keep in mind too. That, that's two or three just to help us with our patients. One other thing I do, you know, want to mention though, uh, what was it about? Yeah, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, there was the uh, FDA warning about dental problems with buprenorphine, uh, the the sublingual and buccal products. Uh, so when patients are utilizing those products, you just want to instruct them to swish and swallow with water after the utilization and also wait an hour to brush the teeth. It all comes down to the the pH of the products. Okay. It, it's chemistry that's not even freshman. Okay. It's, you know, the pH of wine is like one digit different than, you know, a much stronger acid and buprenorphine is right around in there in those products. Okay. Not on its own, but in the products. So we just got to respect that and swish and swallow. That's that. Okay. Uh, one other thing, uh, case reports out there for serotonin syndrome risk, eh, just something to be aware of, of course. Now, uh, what, what products are we using, of course? So generally speaking, you got micrograms, you got milligrams, right? So micrograms, pain management, pretty straightforward, right? Milligrams for opioid use disorder, opioid addiction. Uh, turns out, uh, hey, humans uh, with, with uh, opioid use disorder could also experience pain. Car accidents happen, broken legs happen, life happens, right? Uh, so you got to keep that in mind. But generally speaking, it's mics 
for pain, milligrams for opioid addiction. Okay. Uh, when reviewing the products, there, there's two main products basically uh, on the pain side in our country. There's more abroad, uh, but you got your uh, buccal or buccal formulation, the Belbuca, and you got the transdermal Butrans. Um, I'm not going to go uh, hot and heavy into the extreme details with these, uh, but I will say just a reminder again, they're controlled substance class threes, CS3s, uh, but also, you know, you got the two options uh, and the the initial dosing is very, viewed as very tricky, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guidance online uh, for, for just even the product websites that'll guide any clinician through that. Uh, it's It's not exactly like just you know, picking and choosing a prescription opioid and utilizing it, you do have to respect that part of the dosage along the way too, but readily available online. All right. And for more information, I'll include this in the, the show notes, but uh, it did a, a narrative review with uh, Dr. Hale, Dr. Rafa a couple years back um, in the Journal of Pain Research. So for more information on buprenorphine and pain, uh, we'll have that uh, review narrative review article readily available for everybody. But when when talking about the differences, the products that are available, FDA approved for uh, MAT compared to pain, let's incorporate the MME thing. This one's just baffling in a way, conversationally anyway. Uh, so, you know, pain, microgram dosing, general dose might be about 900 micrograms. Do the math, that's 27 MMEs, okay? Um, then there's the MAT dosing is 16 milligrams we'll go with MMEs of 480. So 480 compared to 27. Which one do you think has the black box warning? Well, it's the microgram product. Yeah. So the microgram product has a black box warning and the milligram product doesn't. Go figure. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. All right. So as far as the milligram products are available, uh, we, of course, uh, have, um, you know, the, the rods that could be put in the upper arm. That's probufine. Uh, there's also the solution for injection or sublocade. Uh, and then, of course, we have the infamous, um, you know, uh, sublingual tablets and film formulations, uh, things like suboxone, Zubsolve, uh, Subutex, uh, all along the way there really coming down the difference of having either buprenorphine as a solo ingredient product or buprenorphine with naloxone. Let's, let's unpackage that one a little bit more. So I guarantee you've had the scenarios of, well, if someone's pregnant, uh, you know, you're going to be looking towards a solo ingredient product, right? There's at least half a dozen articles that are out there that say that's actually not a concern, uh, that the combination product can be utilized as well too. So there's that. Uh, what about, okay, what's the point of having naloxone in there with buprenorphine? The intent was to deter abuse. Yet, if you look at the package insert for buprenorphine naloxone, generic suboxone, uh, it literally says in the package insert, folks, I'm not going fancy. I'm not going New England. I'm not going JAMA. I'm going package insert. All right. The things we all throw away, right? Negative uh, 15 font. So that one says uh, clinicians should be aware that some patients will abuse buprenorphine naloxone combinations by the IV or even intranasal route. It's in the package insert. Why? Why? How is that possible? Well, remember that mu receptor affinity, the magnetism we talked about like 10 minutes ago? That's why. Because uh, buprenorphine's mu receptor affinity, the magnetism to the receptor to get the effect uh, is much more than that of naloxone. So in a battle head to head, it's not going to work out well for the naloxone. That's why the package insert, quite frankly, has to say that. So when, when things are being uh, abused or misused or diverted, when there's those concerns, because again, buprenorphine is a controlled substance class three, right? 
All right. So what makes the, anything, uh, what, give, what gives anything, any substance, the desire to be abused? Well, let's do pharmacist meets real world. High C max. So a big peak. You get a lot of it. Quick T max right now. Fast onset. I want it now. Uh, the receptor affinity, that strong magnet. And of course, if dopamine is released, if something is better than anticipated, dopamine will be released for that euphoria. So I want it all. I want it now. And I want to feel good. And that's what IV buprenorphine can do for folks. Because if you remember, there's also the ceiling effect for buprenorphine. It's not to say that there's no chance for an opioid overdose for respiratory depression. It's that it goes up and then plateaus. That's significantly different from not existing, right? That's why there's the case reports of children licking a film that may even have a desirable taste and ending up in the ER and hopefully not worse. Uh, or an opioid naive patient, perhaps. Th those are things we have to keep in mind along the way too. Uh, on the flip side, uh, if buprenorphine is utilized intravenous or IV, there is that 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 can certainly have that Cmax, Tmax, mu affinity, and dopamine release. Uh, hence, one of the reasons for the CS3, right? Uh, but you know, studies that are out there are showing that uh, approximately about twenty five percent of prescribed and dispensed buprenorphine is. Uh, whether you want to call it diverted or misused, you know, someone else basically. Uh, but why? You know, uh, there's a very high percentage out there where it's actually, uh, you know, utilized for the intention of getting treatment, the intention for treatment, not actual treatment with a healthcare professional, but the intention of treatment, whether it's because our healthcare system is convoluted um, or access is an issue or whatever, uh, that's a reality. But there is that small percentage out there and certainly the opportunity for the true abuse with IV buprenorphine. Uh, and that's why those package inserts for the combination products even label as such. So it, it's a thing. But, you know, pain guy, I like to tell you all sides of the coin, right? Um, what do we have that's better? Well, we have uh, the complete comprehensive care, of course. That's a very, very important thing along the way. Uh, you know, uh, buprenorphine is going to be around to reduce, if not eliminate, the cravings for an opioid uh, for someone uh, navigating recovery. Uh, it's it's not going to be the end all, but it's going to help with the rest of the treatment, the therapy overall. So we got to keep that in mind in the big picture, of course. Uh, and when things are uh, abused, uh, remember that that you know street value leads to crime. So for we'll get to some cost issues in a, in a moment here in a hot second, but uh, street value leads to crime. And remember that it's always, always, always polysubstance abuse. So when there's other sedatives on board, that can affect respiratory depression concerns as well, too. So bottom line, CS3, right? Doesn't mean avoid. It means respect the pharmacology. Now, I alluded with that whole street value leads to crime thing. Okay, let's go over uh, costs and access. That's like our last two things here for BUP. All right, so access. Um I kind of went over some of this when I, I mentioned that whole idea with the MAT Act and uh, MATE as, as well. Uh, the idea of uh, not, you know, still having the pharmacy supply concerns uh, where, where wholesale distributors have those thresholds, limits, or, or whatever. So uh, prescribers and dispensers have to be ready to have conversations that are documented uh, for going over, you know, how many uh, uh, patients a prescriber is going to be uh, seeing and, and providing that care for to help improve and save their lives for our patients. 
Uh, so that way, you know, the conversations can then, or documentation could then happen with wholesalers to explain why a certain amount is needed for a given pharmacy or community for that matter. Uh, it's got to be, you know, both ways, of course, too. Is that utopic? Man, sometimes, yeah. And other times, it, it's just how it is. Uh, we got to do what we got to do to help our patients, okay? Uh, so that that's a, a big thing there is just having that open, transparent communication, okay? Now on the costs, here, here's an interesting one for costs. All right, so on the pharmacy side, well, on the healthcare side, I should say, okay? Uh, when you look at the, the general price, prices change, prices, you know, depend, different pharmacies have different prices as well too, but generally speaking, uh, buprenorphine, solo ingredient products, the generic tablets are a little bit more than half the cost of the buprenorphine naloxone uh, films or brand name films for that matter. Uh, you know, certainly universal availability here when we're talking about generics. Uh, but uh, the general idea is that in the healthcare supply chain, the films of the combo product cost more, which ironically is exactly opposite of what the streets do. Okay. And this is like the first time in the history of mankind that us healthcare professionals have one up on the street chemists. Okay. Uh, it's always, always the other way. Oh, I see your PhD and I raise you some street smarts. Okay. That's what typically happens. But this time, because we understand opioid mu receptor affinity, the whole naloxone not doing much uh, in that combination there, uh, we can, we actually have the one up when it comes to the street chemists. Uh, and that's a very interesting scenario when going over, you know, case reviews or consultations or whatever, uh, when seeing the practices of various uh, prescribers, dispensers, pharmacies, uh, patients, uh, you know, across the country, of course. Uh, but we have an opportunity. Uh, and we've all got to sit down at the table, all federal entities, all healthcare entities, community members, and we got to figure these things out. But folks, it's the first time in the history of mankind that healthcare professionals actually have one up on the knowledge of the pharmacology even uh, for something like buprenorphine or the buprenorphine naloxone products. So lots, lots we got going on, right? Uh, all of that aside, okay, that, that was a pretty quick rundown uh, as far as, you know, going over all things buprenorphine, right? Even incorporating the hot off the presses, uh, new uh, elimination of the X waiver in our country, right? What we got to remember, though, with buprenorphine. Uh, is that uh, it's got a lot of baggage. It's the most misunderstood medication of the century, if not ever. Um, heck, if you want to listen to this pain pot episode again, go for it three times. Share and share like come one, come all to the pain pot, of course. Uh, but it, it's a quick rundown. But in the end, you know, when buprenorphine is utilized as FDA approved with a pharmacological respect, that's where the action's at. That's where the meat and potatoes are for the life improving and life saving actions. Okay. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully all this information we went over pretty rapidly, you know, I promised I wasn't really going to take a couple breaths in between. I don't think I did, but um, hopefully this helps with your patients, with your family, your friends, your communities, because these conversations transcend well beyond healthcare. Am I right? They're everywhere. So let's take this information, let's go forth, and let's make a difference. Folks, I want to thank you for your time here on the Pain Pod. I don't think we could have uh, covered a more contentious medication uh, to be helping our patients in pain and uh, patients in recovery uh, and just about uh, any community across our country. So thank you very, very much for your time. I hope you have a great day every day. And folks, 
thank you for coming to the pain pod i look forward to our next episode Uh, until then have a wonderful one if you'd like to join mark on the pain pod send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com and make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory thanks for listening